Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's guest is an award-winning founder, CEO, and innovator who is transforming the cannabis industry to foster greater inclusivity and benefits for all. Driven by a commitment to acknowledge value and empower every individual, she is on a mission to bridge societal divides, create economic opportunities for underrepresented communities, and enhance well-being. In 2019, she founded Sociao, an employee-owned business exclusively offering products from female and minority-owned operations. Sociale embodies her vision of providing ownership opportunities to those disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, and her leadership has earned her an invitation to the exclusive Forbes Business Council. Subsequently, she was recognized as one of the top 50 women leaders of Illinois for 2023 and has received the Distinguished Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Award. And so without further ado, Anukat, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike. The introduction has been incredibly amazing. Uh, I it, it, it just felt like, you know, I, I was humbled with the introduction. So thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity and having me on your show. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. And you, you put in the hard work. I just, I just copied it and pasted the information. So you're, you're all good Anu, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, I would love to kind of take it from the top and have the listeners learn a little bit about your journey for those who don't know you and who are first hearing about your, your journey and, and story in cannabis, what really drew you to the cannabis industry and wanting to do what you're involved with, with social today? I think everything came into place. You know, there is a saying that, you know, right time, right place. Um, so mm-hmm. that, I, I think that is where my journey started, where, you know, I had a certain uh, personal experience with cannabis, with family members going through a uh, terminal illness and um, being uh, from South Asia, where we were always encouraged to uh, um, figure out to treat your body through alternative medicine where it was never looked down on, but, and then coming to America where you do not have access to those kind of, you know, traditional medicine or traditional, you know, um, health, alternative medicine mm-hmm. health. So um, my journey started in Illinois where, you know, I had to go to a legacy market to uh, get cannabis to help uh, family members uh, manage their pain when they were going through chemo to a place where, you know, um, I saw an opportunity when Illinois become, became uh, medical. So the, the, the timing was right for me. And that's how my journey began in cannabis industry. That's amazing. And a new social uh, has raised $3 million in capital to kind of kickstart all of its operations. Can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like in terms of raising capital in cannabis? Uh, because a, a lot of folks know that it is a completely different animal compared to raising capital in a more traditional industry. So if you could shed a little bit of light into what that roller coaster ride is like, that would be amazing. Yes, absolutely. I think I, I, I will build a bit of imposter if I don't take you back to my background. Me and my husband, we had two ventures before creating cannabis and, you know, our cannabis company and getting into the landscape of cannabis. Um, The reason why I'm saying that, you know, the trust in the network was built before that. And we took advantage of that trust and network, you know, so we were completely not new to raising capital or raising fund or new to the entire journey. So if I would just say that I walked in the cannabis industry and I raised 3 million, no, that's not the scenario (laughs) here. (laughs) So I don't want to like mislead people here. It is incredibly difficult if you are completely new and you know you are a founder and trying to raise money in cannabis industry with no connection no network um i have not known anyone who has done that um so i 
it, it took me some time to realize, you know, how difficult fundraising in cannabis industry is where, you know, I was, um, I, I went to the traditional route, you know, I had a pitch deck, I had a team and we did forecasts, we did our, our projections and, you know, we were going to VCs uh, and E's and, you know, uh, investors and we were showing our, uh, uh, we were showing our worldview to them. And then I realized, no, that's not the right thing. You know, that's not how it's going to work. So I went to people uh, who did not have any knowledge of cannabis and who did not have any knowledge of, you know, how uh, impactful this industry is. So did not have any knowledge, you know, that this is a new industry where, you know, it's upcoming and there is a potential and, you know, you can make a difference. So I went mm -hmm. to people with uh, my worldview who shared my worldview and then I started asking for money. So it was a shift in perspective. It was a shift in the mindset. It was also a combination of, you know, uh, a trust which was built because you know we had a background uh, in previous ventures to a point mm -hmm. where you could show that you know this is a new industry let's take a leap of faith here that's yeah and i love how you said that it was that that subtle shift in perspective but it created such a big difference in the end absolutely you know like uh, i i've always shared this in most of my podcasts and that is it that's the term is called impact investing which means you know what do people with money really want in life you know if i have the mm. dollars you know my what is it that i would what 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 is it that you know would make my next move and and I figured out the two things. People want experience and people want to leave a legacy and want to make an impact. So why not show them a way of making impact in an industry where, you know, people were, people were sent to jail for possessing marijuana. People were, you know, mistreated in this industry. And how your investment is going to make an impact where you are going to give employment to those people, where you're going to bring them up to the mainstream, where you are giving them an opportunity to participate in the economic of cannabis, you know? So this is called mm -hmm. impact investing. And when you start sharing that with people who want to make a difference, you will succeed. That's amazing. And I, I love how you sort of reverse engineered the the situation i don't even want to call it a a problem it was more so of a challenge but you reverse engineered it and said okay what are what are the people that i'm trying to get to what are they really in search of what do they really want to get out of all of this so yeah just that little difference can really make you also, a, you also have to figure out what is it that they're looking to invest. You know, not not everyone is looking for an ROI here at the end of the day, you know. Like investors are people with intentions. Invest, investors are people with, you know, uh, mindful uh, mindfulness. So how do you cap that? How do you how do you make sure that you know you're aligning with right crowd? You're aligning with right partners. And you also so, show them, you know, there's a purpose to your investment way forward. Yeah, you, you make a great point. And I've heard from a lot of folks who have gone down the path of raising capital, whether it be in cannabis or outside of cannabis, where they don't necessarily, uh, or let me, take a, let me take a step back. They do raise capital successfully, but then what happens is they end up being partners with those investors and it ends up falling apart because their values, their morals, their, their ethics, they just don't align. And it just ends up turning into into a mess. And so I, I find it very interesting that that was one of the priorities for you was to make sure that anybody that you're aligned with or partnered with or have an investor come in on that the moral compass and the values and everything that follows also has to be there first and foremost. Absolutely. And I always feel that you have the fiduciary responsibility and duty when it comes to taking someone else's money. And you have mm. to make sure that you're very transparent and you have to make sure that, you know, it's leaving an impact and purpose behind why you took that money from them. Mm -hmm. 
And so Anu, going back to impact investing, uh, for folks who are just starting to learn about social, can you share with us a little bit about your approach, your team's approach to social equity, impact investing from a leadership perspective, and what the dispensary, and I, I, I almost feel like saying the dispensary is almost doing it a, a, a disservice because it's doing so much more than just selling cannabis. What are you doing uh, on the social equity front to, to help impact the communities surrounding uh, the dispensary here in Park Ridge? So uh, going back to 2019, when we uh, when we participated in the application round, we were super intentional of the fact that you know we will be social equity by employment. Um, I do not believe that criteria anymore exists uh, with idea mm. here anymore. Um, so, so social equity by employment means we have to have uh, employees uh, from uh, communities that has been impacted by war and drugs or, or areas that has been identified by IDF, PR. Um, Neil and I, my husband and I, we, we are both immigrants and we came to this country with a very limited amount of resource and network, yeah, just our basic college degrees. And we were able to build two successful ventures try to uh, cannabis, um, um, we're building our cannabis dispensary. And this, and we are both in our forties and we thought that, you know, this is going to be something that is, it's, it's our way of saying thank you to America for letting us build our American dream. And we, we were super intentional right from the beginning writing our application. So when we won our dispensary uh, license, uh, we definitely hired people, but the buck doesn't stop there. You know, once you hire people, what do you do after that, you know? So we are completely hands off when it comes to running our operations and <laughs> managing dispensary day to day. And, and I, as a, a founder, um, not to brag about the fact that, but I, I do not go to my dispensary on a daily basis. You know, I trust my employees. I trust my uh, uh, people to run it in the way that, you know, I had ambition and uh, mm -hmm. it completely run that show on their own. To a fact that, you know, we have made the financials also pretty transparent to them, letting them know that, you know, what are our daily sales? What is the basket size that we are hitting? And what are the, you know, uh, customers, you know, come in daily in our dispensary? What products are selling? What is not making uh, an impact here? So they as a team decide, they educate themselves, you know, if certain products, uh, so for example, my purchasing came up with an um, idea that, you know, if a product is not doing well, let's have a brand of the week so that, you know, we encourage uh, that product to be displayed for the entire week. A marketing came up with three Really good ideas that you know uh, we should highlight our bartender stories on our social media and encourage them to talk about social and the products so all these ideas came up from our team and not from you know um, the leadership and that's so fulfilling you know when people begin to own their journey when people begin to own the dispensary as their own i think i've done my job <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And and I can say I was fortunate enough to to come by Social and, and check it out and get the whole in-person experience. And I must say that what you just described is definitely something that anybody who comes into the into the dispensary can feel. It's not something that you can necessarily, you know, it's not it's not like a like a black and white thing on paper, but you can really feel it because every single team member there, they have this just very enthusiastic energy about themselves. And I think that's so important and very rare, especially in, in today's world. 
So I definitely think that that plays a big role into company culture. Well, what would you kind of recommend or if you have any advice to, to folks who are really trying to empower a strong, tight-knit, motivated company culture, do you have any advice for, for folks like in that situation? I always see in the cannabis industry, there is an ongoing battle between corporate and retail, you know? Mm. And I was super aware of it right from the beginning. The corporate has a different mindset of running the dispensary, which is, you know, we always look into um, the PL and the sales number. And, you know, if it's making sense right. or not, not necessarily the retail leadership will look at the business that way. For them, it's more operational, uh, you know, activity that is going on on the floor, making sure the scheduling is on time, making sure that, you know, we have the right products, making sure that, you know, our POS is functioning, making sure that, you know, uh, the taxes are accounted for. So they have, uh, you know, a various other set of, you know, let's just say, uh, operational challenges which the which the corporate is not aware of so streamlining and bringing these two uh together has always been my biggest uh motivating factor and how do you do that you also educate your retail leadership on the business aspect i always tell people you have to do two things you have to work in the business and you have to also work on the business so those are two different aspects okay so if you have to include the retail people who are working in the business and so you have to educate them on the financial you have to also educate them you know what makes sense for the business or not so they also have to work on the business so so the marriage is very important there and that's how you bring in harmony that's how um i have seen uh, a lot of other companies not doing it and that has that was never my motive when i started my journey mm -hmm. that's that's great advice there and so speaking of advice, I always love to ask guests this question, and it's, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned and picked up along the way, being involved in the cannabis industry, that you just simply don't think that being in a more traditional industry would have allowed you to experience and go through and, and learn? Oh, cannabis industry has been one of the most challenging industries, <laughs> I would ever say. Um, prior to cannabis, I always belonged to a traditional industry where, you know, people came from, um, um, I used to be an attorney in my past life. So let's just say people came from uh, graduate college or people had professional degrees. So, so the mm -hmm. behavioral pattern or the way of thinking was very different. When you came to cannabis industry, you have to adapt, you have to have a mindset that can adapt to new things. You have to be open. You have to be open to newer experiences. So one of the biggest factor I would say that contributed to my journey is learning and willingness to learn about people around you, about, you know, the culture around you and have respect for that. You know, let's not just be dismissive of the fact that somebody who doesn't have a college degree or doesn't have a school degree doesn't necessarily bring in the experience. And we have done that in uh, our previous ventures, too, where I do not look into resume. I look into uh, other qualities, I would say, uh, mm -hmm. that brings to the table. Do you have accountability? Do you have integrity uh, to run a business or, you know, be a part of my team? And that's how I qualify my team. And my, one of my biggest things is to build great team. You know, I, I take a lot mm -hmm. of pride in doing that. So um, cannabis industry has definitely been incredibly challenging, fulfilling and a great uh, learning experience, but have a learning mindset in this industry. And that's how, you know, you can you can navigate through the landscape. Yeah, I've and I've heard so many people use that word navigate because every day new challenges just come up. And so that's that's amazing advice right there. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, a new social. This has been a big year for social, I, I would say. And I'm sure you could probably agree and your entire yes. team would probably agree. Uh, what's what's next? What's what's coming in 2024? 
any future plans, any new and exciting things that that you can kind of peel the curtain back a little bit on and, and share with us today? Yeah, for me personally, I want to retire, <laughs> but that's not on the card. <laughs> it's the cannabis industry, Anu. I don't I don't know if that's going to happen right now. There's a lot going on. Absolutely. Um, we are raising fund for building um, nine other dispensary uh, and to increase our retail footprint. I would also eventually like to get into product. That's something I'm very passionate about. Mm. Um, we are still figuring out what would that be. Uh, it's still in like you know building stage uh but but yes increasing our retail footprint in in illinois and um spreading uh social all over that's going to be our key love that love that well anu thank you so much i know you've got a lot going on so i don't want to take up too much of your time but thank you again so much just for joining us today shedding a little bit of light into social and your journey and sharing some of those some of those gems of, of wisdom that you picked up along the way Thank you so much, Mike. This I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnects.